Hey there, Mrazticats. We're back with another episode of Enter the Mrazfinite. Today we'll be talking about the title song from Jason Mraz's 2020 album, Look for the Good. Look for the Good. With 4 million plays on Spotify and writing credits to a number of frequent Mraz Laborators, it was a tone setter for an album that signified a tone shift for our favorite musician. Including all those writing credits was also Michael Goldwasser. But before I talk about them, let me talk about my guest, Two Heel, content creator, horror aficionado, punk and thrash vocalist, all-around chill dude and wrestling commentator, totally a renaissance man. How are you doing today? I'm doing super, but more importantly, how are you? I am vibing. I've started a new job recently. They actually started giving me work, and so I've just kind of been going through that little bit of a struggle, which is which is always fun when you kind of get into the into the shifts of a new position. Oh, man, I feel that mm-hmm. with the new position I took, everything's been a struggle. I haven't been doing anything outside of working and like oh. basic house chores. Oh man, that sounds awful. I hopefully it, like gets less bad for you soon, dude. We'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But we, this is, this is going to be a first for the, the podcast. We actually recorded this episode last week, but we had some audio issues that we ran into. So this is our first re-recorded episode and a signifier for our first lost episode, making Enter the Mrazfinite officially a podcast. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about that, you know? It's, uh, it's true. And I, I will take the blame as with most technology issues when I try to do things with people. I always seem to, uh, to make it happen to where it doesn't work right. I don't, it's not your fault. Audacity can be a real ram hog, and I am certain that it just ran into like a big old issue trying to export out that giant file and collapsed it on itself. Well, and see, I think it, it, now don't quote me, but I installed some new drivers for my webcams. You are being recorded right now, so you will be quoted on this. That's fine. No, that's that's okay. I installed new drivers for my webcams, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it was making my computer blue screen. For oh. whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if maybe that had something to do with nothing on my advanced gaming machine of course. work properly. Oh, wow. wow. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. who's going to win one $1,000 PC or one bad webcam driver? Spoiler <laughs> alert, the webcam drivers win. Oh, yeah. No, it's just, just got to knock down the whole machine. Like, the other one's trying to keep the whole thing stable. If you're just trying to break something, it's so much easier. Yeah, well, you know, I'm really good at breaking things. That's what I do. Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. Uh... We're, we're talking today about Jason's 2020 album, Look for the Good, uh, and also the song on that, which is called Look for the Good, which is Jason's first kind of foray into reggae, which is an interesting idea. But first off, what, did, what are your experiences with Jason Mraz to heal? Quite literally no experience past the last podcast that we recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find out that over the last podcast, I was listening to the extended edition of the of the record. So oh, yeah. this time I went and just listened to the bass record. Mm-hmm. So they have a little bit better of a basis on the entire scope of that work versus the extended one where they had the added tracks and that kind of thing. And that, uh, that ska version of the track... Make It Mine? Yeah, Make It Mine was actually not on the bass record. That oh, was yeah. saved, uh, released as a single, and then saved for the deluxe edition. Which is, I guess, makes sense because that song is actually kind of a banger. It's kind of good. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was really disappointed that it was not on the initial release of that record. Yeah, but like, what are your what are your initial thoughts on Jason Mraz after this kind of first little foray that you had? I can see why he only put out one reggae record. Mm-hmm. Not to say that it's bad. Actually, and it's it's one of those things I enjoyed listening. To this record much more after the the last time we did this podcast. So I'm actually kind of glad that we get to redo this because the second time through after a little more insight 
on Mr. Mraz as a person. Mm -hmm. I was a lot more forgiving on some of the, what I would at first consider shortcomings of the records. It's a nice little listen. It's not, I'm not going to go out of my way to listen to it. It's not going to be on constant rotation, mm -hmm. but it was a nice little listen. The time flew by, the 12 tracks, and I think I don't think there's a single track on there that's under four minutes long. Oh, yeah. One track, Hearing Double, is three three minutes and four seconds. Oh, but. God. That's a, that's a whole other episode in itself, Hearing Double. But I remember last time we talked, I likened this album into kind of like if you go to McDonald's and they have like a specialty Jamaican burger, and it really felt like that kind of experience to me. And it's so interesting to me to hear that you, who have more experience with reggae than I do, given that you are a punk slash thrash metal vocalist, or punk slash thrash, I don't know if thrash and thrash metal are two different genres. No, it's the same thing. Gotcha. And you've just kind of associated with other kind of acts who are like punk slash reggae adjacent, I believe. Yeah, and you know, like as far as performing live, the last group I was in, we were kind of like a stoner rock punk band hybrid, so no one really mm -hmm. knew who to book us with. Oh. And so we were booked with rappers, booked with a few reggae acts, booked with some ska bands, some death metal bands, black metal bands, you know. So yeah, as far as extreme music goes, I've kind of been exposed to all of those genres, so to speak. Yeah, that's... That's really interesting. But yeah, you, you've had experiences working with a whole bunch of different kinds of artists. What kind of experience have you had with reggae in particular? You know, I've worked with a few, well, we're, I say worked with loosely, like we were on the same bill. Mm -hmm. There's a few reggae bands, you know, we, we kind of always kept to ourselves and tried to, you know, have some kind of professionalism yeah. until we hit the stage and then all bets are off. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've seen, God, what's the name of that group? It's uh, Bradley from Sublime Sun has a, has a reggae ska group and I can't think of Law. Law is their name. Oh. I've seen them live. Uh, I've seen a few reggae bands live, but really my, my journey with reggae started with Bad Brains Rock for Light record, mm -hmm. which is a extremely fast punk record, very intense, very aggressive and in your face, broken up about every three to four songs by a dub or a reggae track. And I was like, oh, you know, I first couple times I listened to it, I wasn't feeling it because I was, I was a young kid. I was angry. I just wanted hear the angry stuff and then mm. a few more times through and I'm like, man, you know, I, I'm really, I'm really vibing to this. And then that's, you know, so the bad brains were my gateway drug into reggae. And uh, from there, you know, you go to the obvious, the first stops, you go to your Bob Marley's mm -hmm. and your, your Maytails and things like that. And then you dig a little deeper in the rabbit hole and you start to get to some of the more extremist viewpoint reggae yeah. and that kind of thing. Some of the revolutionary rock and that kind of stuff, which is mm -hmm. really where that, to me, that's my favorite kind of music. Yeah, you're not going from 20 reggae classics over to Bob Marley and the Whalers Best of Collections. No, I went from, I went, I actually went, I remember the first reggae record mm -hmm. I heard that wasn't, you know, just bass reggae mm -hmm. was a Peter Tosh record. And he was actually part of the Whalers, I believe. Mm -hmm. No More Nuclear War, I think, was the, it was like his 1984 record. I think the last one before he was actually murdered mm -hmm. at his home in Jamaica. And I was like, whoa, all right. So the, the bridge between reggae and punk is not a bridge that's very far musically as well as content-wise with the lyrics and that kind of thing. It was like, okay, so we're, you know, we're all fighting the same fight here, just going about it different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I always imagine both reggae and punk music to be probably some of the more political forms of music that just like inherently within their genre based off like both their inspiration, kind of the thematics that they go into. Just I'm not like particularly into either of the genres. I just kind of have that kind of cursory knowledge of them. So I guess that mm -hmm. makes sense yeah. from my kind of outsider perspective. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, punk is just American folk music pretty much. Mm -hmm. 
Is that like a, a common viewpoint held on within like the punk community? Mm, the punk community is weird, man. It's like punk communities like the comic book community where there's tons of people who gatekeep it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you don't dress a certain way, you're not a punk. If you don't, And just all that bullshit, you know. For people who are anti-politics and hate politicians, there's an awful lot of politics in their scene, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. so, I mean, it probably, I don't know, I don't know if a lot of people who were like, yeah, man, punk rock are, are really looking at it from a standpoint of the music's the same, so why not enjoy it mm-hmm. lyrically? I think they're looking at it from, oh, you know, these guys are sellouts because they went in this direction or, you know, sellouts a, a word they like to throw yeah, around absolutely. quite a bit, so... If it's not inside their little their little circle of music, then they don't they don't generally venture out into that. Not to say you know all punks are narrow minded. I've met some great ones, mm-hmm. but I feel like as a whole, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of dudes bashing kids at the mall oh. wearing Green Day t shirts. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. It's like who cares? All dudes being weirdos, <laughs> pretty much. That's pretty much, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's a low, well, back in my day, punk was. It's like dude, who cares? It's not your day anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't. I don't I don't get that mentality, but it's whatever. Okay, but how do you personally feel about, like, if punk music were to kind of uh, abandon this more political messaging, political theming? Just like any act, any band, yeah. I wouldn't hate it. There's plenty of punk bands who, I don't know, maybe there's not. I was gonna, I was gonna say, oh, Sheer Terror, they're more working class, but even they're talking about working class politics mm-hmm. versus it as a whole. I, I don't know if I'd listen to punk, honestly. That's a great question. You really hit me out of left field with that well, one. Well, I just feel like because of what we're going to be talking about, which is Jason Mraz's yeah. reggae album, which is a reggae album, which I feel, well, we're talking about Look for the Good in particular. We're not going to get into a lot of the other songs, which feels very non-political and just only looks at the mm-hmm. idea of being happy, being positive, and kind of, I guess, giving gratitude towards other people and like looking for the good in other people, which is the name of the fucking song, which is... Well, we're going to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) We hear it a few times. They talk about look for the good a few times on look for the good. And it just does like vaguely sort of political, but not political with the intensity I imagine reggae or punk, which has (laughs) like (laughs) anti-capitalism, anti-exploitation, anti-colonialism, all just like major themes of those genres. Well, no, you know, I'd still listen to it. There's a lot of there's a lot of great punk bands. I I can think of a few now. Uh, Blitz Kid being one of them. Mm-hmm. If you're not listening to Blitz Kid, uh, you should have been like ten years ago. They're great. They're uh, they're they're this weird. It's like a scene subgenre called horror punk, mm-hmm. where they basically just sing about horror movies, horrifying things. You know, kind of very deeply rooted in that that kind of subculture. Mm-hmm. As far as horror goes, and I, I don't remember them ever having a political song. So, yeah, there's one. So, I mean, I'd probably still listen to it. I don't know. I find myself lately, I just listen to a lot of Motorhead, man. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, in, in desperate times, you look for things that are comfortable to you, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Every time I do one of these podcasts, which is, this is the fifth one, I go to the YouTube page for the song, and I go through and try and read the comments, because I feel like maybe the YouTube comment pages on songs is like the last great accessible forum for for music conversation that kind of exists and permeates throughout time, where you can be like, I can go and access different levels of conversation that have occurred. I kind of wish it existed on a more like, a level that is more catered to what I want it to be, and not just... Mm-hmm. people writing first at the bottom of the song and just trying yeah. to sell you on how to make a hundred dollars an hour by working from home. Yeah. But every time I go to a Jason Mraz song, it's just people looking there for like positivity, which makes sense, yeah. which it seems like his whole thing. They're like this song makes me feel good and that's all I want. Or they're saying this man is the biggest genius of all time in terms of music and it's wild. 
Wow, people say that. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like if you go to any song that is... and click on the bottom huh. comments, you'll find one person who's claiming this to be the, the greatest song of both any generation and just conceptually. Yeah. See, I, and I love the YouTube comment section for music especially because it's like a modern day mm-hmm. zine because there's always people name dropping like bands and things oh, like yeah. that or who they like or, you know, it's great, man. It's, I, miss, I miss zines and I miss, you know, to a further extent, magazines mm-hmm. themselves. But I mean, really, that's basically all the YouTube comment section is nowadays. So people's opinions on stuff that you like or don't like and can always find someone to get the gang mentality with and say, yeah, man, fuck mm-hmm. that guy. We're allowed to curse yes. on this, right? Okay, cool. <laughs> I should have asked that before. I was towing the line in the first few episodes, but I think at this point it's just I, Jason Mraz says words like shit in the song. I'll allow myself okay. that one. And then I, think that's I, it. I think I said the F word earlier. So you're fine. All right. Perfect. You get what do you get two for PG thirteen? I don't know if works? podcasts have ratings like that. I feel like it's the wild, wild west. That the wild, wild west kind of sucked and was just like two white dudes talking about cars. Um. <laughs> Yo, what you coming for podcasts like that so guy? I only I only go for God I only damn. go for car talk. Apparently, no, no I don't chill. Know about Joe Rogan to come for him yet, but one day, Joe. Oh, dude, yeah, <laughs> don't yeah. Look, we could go two hours on that guy, but let's not. Uh, I shockingly know very little about him, but we'll, we'll talk about it. He sucks. Yeah. Official stance of the podcast, yeah. he sucks. But yeah, I, I wanted to talk about one thing because we talked about it last time, and I had a little bridge into it earlier, but I missed my I missed my I missed my walkover. I missed my exit. Uh, you you talked about how you used to listen to albums and how you like didn't want to keep listening. Like you wanted this the energy, you wanted the excitement. You don't want to like stop and like do the pacing that they did with like one reggae album, like one reggae track every like three songs. And how, how was your experience like getting into like album listening instead of just like listening to singles? Like kind of like that. Well, you know, so it was a lot easier for me, mm-hmm. honestly, than I mean, I'm almost 30. So I was still born into the time where you could still go to the record mm-hmm. store and get records for a reasonable price. And you could still like music was still very well, it's, it's it's more accessible today. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong than it ever was. This isn't some like oh meet back in my day. It was but you could get physical music a lot easier. Yeah. Now everything's at your fingertips at a click of a button, and it's great. There's bands who never would have stood mm-hmm. a chance thirty years ago because of the content or the extremism of their music that now can gather that audience and get that grassroots oh, yeah. thing going on. But no, for me, I only had like growing up, I. I only had one or two records, so that's what I had to listen to. And they were records that I would find at, at yard sales, essentially. Like, I remember my first record ever, and I wish I still had it. And Mom, I love you, but she smashed it up. Oh, no. Was Sam Hain 3, November Coming oh. Fire. And I found it at a yard sale, and I saw the cover with the demons on the front and the fire behind them. I'm like, what in the hell is this? This looks amazing. I got to ta- buy it. It was 25 cents. It's like a $400 mm-hmm. record now. You know, and so I took it home and I listened to it, and it was Danzig's band after the Misfits, and I had never heard anything like it at that time. My mom listened to some classic rock mm-hmm. things like that. I think I had a boss. I think I had Boston's yeah. first record, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Don't anybody ever come at Boston in my presence? You get the shut city? down. Can we come from the city of Boston? Oh, dude, fuck <laughs> the city! Damn it, that's two. Don't let me do that. We won't that's talk two. About that no. place every. No offense, Boston. Sorry, <laughs> you can't say that. That was pretty offensive towards Boston. <laughs> I got mugged in Boston. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, yeah. This is bad taste mm-hmm. in my mouth from it. So I brought home that record, and then I think it was probably three to four months later, I found Motorhead's Iron mm-hmm. Fist, and I took it home, and I put it on, and I had never heard 
anything like I get I'm getting goosebumps talking about it like I'd never heard anything so fast and so loud and so just with that punch you know and I was like uh this is this is the music for me this is what Mm -hmm. I like and that was the first record that really hit like wow okay that's the one that's my favorite band you know kind of thing uh so it was really easy for me to get into full record listening because I only had like five records and no internet and no iPod uh, you know, I had like a Nokia flip phone for my mm-hmm. teenage years. I didn't really have the means to listen to a lot of things other than live music and going to buy yeah. the record. Uh, I feel like when I was younger, I was listening to mainly the radio until I got to like my teens and uh, my parents were like, hey, you need to go work out more. We bought you an iPod so you can go work out. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I went and downloaded all the weird music I used to listen to on YouTube, which was just like the most weeb anime shit in the world and also just like the weirdest EDM slash trance. It wasn't like weird EDM or trance. It was like so generic. It sounded a bit like just like what you would kind of imagine like stock EDM trance music would be like at the time. <laughs> Honestly. Like and then there's just like weird little vocals yeah. thrown in there. And it just had like a song like, <laughs> oh, this is the one that has the flute on it. Oh, this is like its little thing. I didn't like deal with albums until really recently when I started like, I need to start listening to albums because they're they're the part of the art form that I don't have an appreciation for. And I feel like I should, because it's important the way these songs are like arranged and organized in just terms of like how you're supposed to listen to them. And I just want to get a better appreciation for it because I felt like my uh, taste in media had become a little bit like too comfortable for myself. I was just doing the things that I was like, Mm -hmm. always just like, I know this is going to be fine. Uh, It wasn't going to challenge me in any way. So I was like, okay, I got to try this. The easiest way to get into record listening, well, there's two ways. One is to start with just mm-hmm. EPs, like four or five track EP. Like, I, I don't know, I can only speak from punk experience, but AFI All Hallows mm-hmm. Eve is like top five EPs ever for me. Yeah. And so that, you know, it's four tracks. It's great, but the pacing is amazing for mm-hmm. the EP. Uh, or you can listen to a concept mm-hmm. album because you can't, Really, like, you know, I mean, you can listen to one song from a concept album, but to really get the whole grasp of the story that somebody's putting out there, you got to listen to the whole mm-hmm. record beginning to end. Okay. And you did listen to Look for the Good, the whole album beginning to end, yeah? Whole record. We, we talked about it last time, and you had listened to Look for the Good, which is the title track, and the first song of the album, and then the second one, which is Make Love, or was it Make Love, Not War? I think it's just Make Love make love yeah 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 and you you were like really high on make love at the time yeah i'm still high on it's a great track oh yeah okay look man any track that leads in with put down the weapons that you use against Mm -hmm. yourself man that's some that's that's not just scratching the surface man that's some that's that's a sentence right there you know (laughs) it's very very loaded honestly fantastic lyricist he does fantastic lyrics work he does fantastic rhyming he's he's really good at those parts of the songs i just like I always consider the actual like kind of music in the background to when he's doing concerts, it's good because you can hear like the actual instrumentation from the, the artists who are doing the uh, background music. But it always feels mm-hmm. like a little light rock, just kind of like chill. Nothing like super exciting is happening on like the albums, yeah. which is why I was so surprised to hear that you were like so high on this album, actually, I think. It's not, it's not bad, you know, as, I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not going to be in my rotation. I'll probably never come back and visit it again after we record this. But as far as my first experience with an artist, I, there has been, I've heard much worse records. I've heard much worse records from bands that I Mm -hmm. really like. So 
you know, everyone everyone slips up every once in a while and puts out a maybe puts out an album they shouldn't have done or they were in a different mm-hmm. headspace and they thought they were taking a step in the right direction and it turns out they took 20 steps in the wrong yeah. one but as far as just sitting back because I, I just dim the lights in the room put the headphones on EQ'd the audio just right and I just kicked back close my eyes and let the music take me yeah. and I enjoyed the journey you know it was a little too it's a little too positive for me yeah but I don't think the positivity is a bad thing. I just enjoy. I mean, I work mm-hmm. retail, so I put I put angry music on before work to get to get it all out of my yeah. system. So then, by the time I get to work, it's like in the book 1984, the two minutes mm-hmm. hate. That's what I've always equated people who enjoy violent music or violent art forms as. Is that's dude? That's our two mm-hmm. minutes hate, man. Like we we go to the shows, we just kick the snot out of one another. We put the record on. We scream the lyrics on the way to work. We go home. We throw on a gore flick and watch people get dismembered, but it's all fake. Like, we're not going out in public and killing mm-hmm. people. It's how we just get it out of our system, and then we're good, and then we can kind of integrate back into society as, you know, functioning members, even though we've got this fire burning inside of us that will never mm-hmm. die. So that's what, I, you know, I never understood people who were really down on violence. Like, if it's not your thing, that, that's fine. But if you if you don't like it because oh those lyrics are violent like yeah they are <laughs> and that's kind of the point you know it gets that feeling out you know I guess some people take up boxing mm-hmm. or whatever but I don't want to hurt anybody I just want to get it out vicariously through I the always music. considered it some level of scapegoating where there are like other like larger systemic problems in society and people are like we don't want to deal with these yeah. because either a it's hard to deal with or b we benefit from it in some way and so they point to like mm-hmm. something that seems more like it would be like violent music violent movies violent video games and yeah. like that to be like that's that's where the problem is it's not what we're doing it's not our shitty behavior that's causing these other problems it's you yeah it's it's parents who don't want to teach their kids the difference from right from wrong or kids who have no consequences from making the wrong mm-hmm. decision it's it's easier to say your kid beat somebody up because they uh they they saw somebody do it in uh you know kung fu in, in a NES. violent movie than yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, he your kid kicked my kid in the head because he played Kung Fu on the NES. And instead of just saying, hey, maybe I should teach my kid not to mm-hmm. hit people. And maybe I should show him that there's consequences to their actions versus just, oh, it was the video game's fault. My precious little baby, that, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's a, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing with media. It's the same as, you know, nudity and stuff in, in European and foreign films. Uh, it, no nudity in American films, but massive amounts of violence, and that gets you an R rating. Mm-hmm. Versus if you have a nipple slip, it's an X rating. And you know, we can't normalize seeing the male or the female body. Uh, instead, it has to be this taboo thing, and that's why one of the reasons, one of the many reasons that you know, assault is such a big thing because it's not something that's normalized. And yeah, dude, it's it's a it's a whole rabbit hole to go down, and that I've had multiple conversations with people about just you can't blame your problems on on media because that's not how Mm -hmm. it works (laughs) you do you you made the choice nobody the the guy on the on the television screen didn't hold a gun to your head and say you know you got to go out and kill that man no nobody did Mm -hmm. that it's 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 your choice or it's you know the systemic uh circumstances put on you and you, you know, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing we do. We could talk for once again, that's yeah. another subject. 
We could talk for hours mm-hmm. on that. But we've got to talk about Jason Mraz. <laughs> yeah, we got we got to touch on it, man. We got to touch, look for the good, you know. And it's a nice segue because we're talking about all these horrible things people do mm-hmm. to one another. But instead, we should just look for the look good. For the good. The, both the name of the album and the title of the track and most of the lyrics on the song. Um, it's it's Jason's like title track into his reggae album, which I was concerned about when I found out about it because it was like a recent development for him. It happened in 2020. It, I think it came out April of 2020. So I was uh, in the wrong headspace to hear anything about the Jason Mraz album at the time. Uh, and I only realized fairly recently that he put out this reggae album, and it was just so wild to me because, like, I was like, Jason Braz, you should not have put out a reggae album. And I was like, I don't think he, I don't think he did a good job. I don't want to listen to this because I feel like it's going to be like bad in a few several ways. But uh, I went through and read a bunch of interviews on his process for it. Uh, one particular one, I think I was pretty good. Um, if you look up on the San Diego Union Tribune, Jason Mraz fully embraces reggae on his new album and thanks the high school bullies who kicked my ass, which was written by George Varga on June 14th of 2020. It was a pretty good article that covered the subject and kind of gone through like how he went about like a doing reggae in such a way that it was Jason Mraz-esque. So it was not like just trying to copy the styles of like you know, just uh, just normal reggae, but also how he went through and like work with particular people like uh, like uh, Michael Fassbender, Michael Goldwasser was the name, Michael Goldwasser, um, and a Sister Carol amongst other people when he went through developing this whole reggae album to kind of make sure he was like following along at least like the instrumentation, making sure he wasn't like co-opting reggae in the same way, which is I feel like is the best he could have done was to like not co-opted at all i don't think he's really going to be building up reggae in a way he's just like i want to do this reggae track because when i add a little bit of reggae beat to my live performances people like it and he was like i should do an album about it and i was like please don't do a bad thing jason come on and it's just wild to me this whole album still i i certainly am not like the hugest fan of it but like i there's i have appreciation for some of the songs but look for the good in particular how are you feeling just because we talked about it a little bit beforehand, but like, how are you feeling yeah. reggae-wise on this? I think he did a good job. I mean, it's super homogenized. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. It's not. It could be considered a reggae album mm-hmm. for sure. It's just really bland. Oh, yeah. It's like the dry white bread of reggae. The McDonald's reggae sauce, truly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the McDonald's Jamaican jerk mm-hmm. sauce. But I think he did a really good job of tiptoeing around making it a parody of reggae. I don't feel like his intention was to obviously not cash in on the popularity Mm -hmm. of reggae because that's not really a thing in the States unless I'm really that out of touch. I don't don't think think I am. We don't have a reggae state. Yeah, okay, good. (laughs) I was like, we don't have a reggae station where I live, so and I live in a big city. But I I think he did a really good job of not coming across as the word disingenuous, Mm -hmm. I think is the word I'm looking for. I I would certainly say he comes across as sincere in this. Yeah, most it seems kind of like a love letter to the reggae he heard as a as a Mm -hmm. child. Which was the the two albums I made a joke about earlier, which is 20 reggae classics, which he said so Jason Mraz has had an interesting experience with music where he has said his uh, he's been known to do rap music in a way in his in his Jason style, as you heard from the reggae tracks. But he said his two inspirations for rap music were Millie Vanilli and Vanilla Ice. So you're like, OK, what are your inspirations for reggae music, Jason? And we have those answers. It's uh, he had two albums growing up, which was one 20 reggae classics. And then also uh, when he was in high school, he had heard Bob Marley and the Whalers best of collection called Legends which you were saying actually has good, pretty good tracks on it. It's, I mean, they're best of collections, they're compilations. You imagine they're going to have the, the big ones. Yeah. You know, the, the 20 reggae classics, I've got it pulled up in front of me mm-hmm. right now, uh, available on Discogs or 833 if you mm-hmm. want to give it a listen. So they have, uh, you know, like the Maytails are awesome. Mm-hmm. They're 
they're great uh, with or without. Oh my God. Yo, revoke my reggae cred. I don't think I have that authority, but I'll try. <laughs> toots, toots and the Maytails. Okay. Uh, yeah. So w- with or without, they're they're great. There's a few. There's actually a few artists on here I'm not familiar with. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with Samarip, which they have the the track uh, that was the one Skinhead Moon Stomp. Mm-hmm. I don't know those guys oh, yeah. at all. Which uh, side note, the Skinhead movement started in the reggae subculture until stupid white supremacists went and co-opted it for themselves and fucking ruined it for everybody. Oh, so you were we were talking a little bit beforehand. You said like you talked about reggae skinheads. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to be a bad thing to talk about. And I was like, well, we got to burst this up to yeah. some point. No, it was uh, it was a working class movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it started in the UK. And they used to have the saying, boots and braces don't make you a racist, because it still was very popular even after bullshit white supremacists went and stole the identity for their own. Mm-hmm. And so even now, especially you know in, in the punk circle, unfortunately, there is a, a, very, a very, very small niche area of punk that is the, the white supremacist punk. Normally, they don't come to the shows because they get their asses kicked. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, we handle our own mm-hmm. kind of thing. But there's also uh, a subset. Uh, the the one around here is called Sharp, which is skinheads against racial mm-hmm. prejudice. And they they do more of the they, they fall in line more with the working class style of belief mm-hmm. system, the old skinhead system where, you know, it's. It was very popular in the ska and reggae circles for dudes to show up in their bomber jackets, the blue Levi's with the cuffs rolled up and the black boots. You know, guys that you've been taught to mm-hmm. avoid your entire life because they're one step above animals, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it actually started as a working class movement in the UK. And then, unfortunately, like most movements, it gets co-opted by yeah. somebody who's very charismatic and takes the impressionable, down-on-their-luck youth and molds them in to the way that that person sees mm-hmm. fit, which in this case was being a white supremacist piece of shit. So yeah, a uh, problem that persists today still. I would honestly say more so today mm-hmm. than even ten years ago. Man, it's wild. And the thing about the thing about white supremacists, I have more respect for white supremacists ten years ago because they were open about it. At least I knew where we stood. You know what I mean? If I saw you walking down the street and you were open about it. I mean, it was going to be on, oh, you yeah. know, because I don't, it's on for me, I'm older now, so not anymore. But when I was, when I was younger and a little more feisty and, you know, didn't have a house I had to pay for and shit, mm-hmm. it was, uh, dude, me and any of my crew, if we saw a white supremacist, it was on, on site. Oh. Like that guy's getting fucking stomped, mm-hmm. plain as no questions asked, you know, cause it used to be a real problem up where I live. Yeah. But now like the way it's almost like they've gone out of the Neanderthalic stage and gotten a lot more underhanded about their racism and their homophobia and mm-hmm. all of that. It's like I said, I don't I don't like either of them, but at least 10 years ago, I could see you in a crowd and be like, all right, hey, that guy, you know, we have problems versus now it's Joe Blow on the street who's saying some real problematic shit, but he's saying it in a way that people are like, oh, you know, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. You know, I'd rather deal with the 10 years ago one than the one now. These problems become more insidious as people try and stomp them out. They're like, we got to, people can recognize us. We need to do our ways in more subversive, more evil ways, truly, to work within the systems. They're tired of getting their ass kicked. So (laughs) like, oh, all right. (laughs) But back to Jason Press. It's, it's It's such a wild jump, though. Back to Jason Press, who is not 
a white supremacist. Truly, by icon Jason Mraz. Let's put that out there. Like, let's yes. not make that yeah, jump. No. And, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, let me let me put that out in the universe mm-hmm. there. No, he did a great job of of not co-opting it. And as like I said, this twenty reggae classics, man, it's it's solid. You know, you got the slickers on there, Nikki Thomas. I've never heard of the Melodians, mm-hmm. a Jamaican rock steady vocal group formed in 1965. Interesting. But yeah, some solid tracks on the 20 reggae classics. So are you feeling like maybe that's like a good background in reggae for someone who wants to make a reggae album, though? I imagine he's listened to more modern no. reggae. For certain he has. I, I think I read an interview where he had gone through a few albums and a few artists and was like, hey, yeah, this is how I feel about them. But like, you're like a small town kid coming out of middle Virginia going out and be like, okay, this is what I know about reggae. It's the now that's what I call musics of reggae that you have on you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And this is what you have. And so then you kind of get thrown into the pool of, well, I like reggae, but like there's so much other reggae here. The one that gets and gets more into like the like more stronger political messages or like more overt political messaging yeah. and things like that. And you're like, well, now this is what I want to do. I want to make this reggae album because I like the sound mm-hmm. of the music and I want to kind of incorporate my own style into it. I definitely feel like, these 20 reggae classics are very indicative of the reggae styling on this record for sure because even even the bob marley and the whalers track is just keep Mm -hmm. on moving which if i remember right is a pretty positivity focused track versus you know like i shot the sheriff or something Mm -hmm. like that you know like yeah so i mean i feel like that's probably not a bridge too far to be okay this is the reggae he grew up with so to him this is what this is what reggae is, is the, the 20 reggae classics. You know, they're classics for mm-hmm. a reason, obviously. So I feel like, yeah, it's probably, it's probably not, it wouldn't be too far of a stretch to say that this definitely influenced the uh, uh, Look for the Good yeah. record. Well, then let's, let's get into the lyrics. <laughs> We've been talking for 38 minutes about not the lyrics. People came for the lyrics. We got to get into them. Well, we'll blow through them real quick because there's only about uh, three different words pretty, in this pretty song. Pretty much, it's it's not as much lyrically <laughs> complex song. It definitely feels like a um, introduction to all the people who know Jason Raz for his light rock. Who are like, oh, well, let me grab this new Jason Raz album. I'm like, what are these sounds coming yeah, out of yeah. here? What is this music? It's honest. It's honestly the softball mm-hmm. of the record. The, the one that's easiest to access. Yeah, and I feel like maybe there's like an important part of like if you're gonna build an album. And you have a very different audience than who normally listens to reggae. In particular, I think Sister Carol made a comment after doing her work on this album. She was like, yeah, this feels like introducing my music to a whole group of people who would never have touched reggae at all. And I was like, that's an interesting perspective to take on there, especially because Sister Carol's song on this album is actually, um, her verses on there are fucking fantastic. Oh, no, I did another swear. Oh, it's great. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, lyrics, let's go. Look for the good in everything. Look for the people who will set your soul free. It always seems impossible until it's done. Look for the good in everyone. Pretty just upfront. We're a song about positivity. We're about like kind of finding and looking for the good in the society around you. Like things are bad, but like, hey, find the people who are like going to make you comfortable and let you be like yourself or like find the goodness in your community around you. I'm still impressed at the eight-syllable first line and the Mm 11-syllable second line. That timing is... God. He's good with the words. How he made that work is incredible, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's got a great voice, too. He does. I don't know if we touched on that last time, but God damn, can this guy sing. I I spent a little bit of time over the weekend just kind of listening to various, like, more pop artists and just, like, trying to, like, think about their vocals outside of, like 
the song and all the production value. And I was like, I don't know if, well, I think Jason Mraz might be a pretty good singer relative to all these other like modern pop artists. And I'm like, Oh, he's real good, man. Mm -hmm. Real good. I might be wrong, but it doesn't sound like he uses a lot of filtering on mm -hmm. his voice. I would have to look at a live performance to see how it holds up live, but uh, I'm impressed by his vocal abilities. And I, I'm not one who normally likes super clean singing, mm -hmm. but he's got that right pitch of voice where it's just, it's, it's like butter. It's just smooth, mm -hmm. you know, not smooth like a uh, crooner would be, you know, where it's just that deep raspy melody, but it's like, it's not high pitch and whiny, but it's not super low. Oh, yeah. It's just right in that perfect mid range. And it's just so mm -hmm. smooth. And his delivery is so, the, the word delivery, even in this song, which is, you know, the same sentence delivery mm -hmm. over and over again, it almost exudes some kind of confidence as if he truly believes what he's saying, even if there's not really a lot of lyrical substance there. It still is like, I'm in on this, this is what I'm doing, and the way he, the way he sings and the way he says the words and the placement of the words in the song definitely is like... It's good. I can't think of another way to put it that would make more sense, but in it's good. Yeah. He's got a great voice and awesome wordplay. He wrote a whole album about how good his wordplay is. It's uh, it's fantastic. Oh. Yeah. Like DJ FMAM J Jason that track, mm -hmm. track 9. Man, he's got some he's got some wordplay in that Did track. You like that track? I didn't like it, but I okay, enjoyed okay, the wordplay. like this is some of the cheesiest thing on this album and hearing doubles on this album. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, hearing doubles. <laughs> oh, so I can't talk about hearing double. I, oh, I want to talk about hearing doubles so much. It's so bad. <laughs> um, I, I can't. It's it's so bad. It's <laughs> impressive to see him do hearing hearing double. If y'all don't know and never look it up yourself, um, is a song where Jason Mraz says every lyric twice, but each word he says twice in a row. And I will not elaborate further, but seeing him doing a live performance of it, I'm like, this is impressive that you can do this live. I think my brain would trip over itself, but also I do not like this song and I do not like hearing this song. Yeah, it's not cool. Like now I'm here by mm -hmm. Queen when they would do that live where there'd be two Freddie Mercury's on stage and they would sing at mm -hmm. one another. That's cool. Hearing double, not so cool. <laughs> if there was a second Jason Mraz, would it be cooler? Ah, uh, then it okay. might be pretty cool. That would be impressive, mm -hmm. though, for two dudes to be in that in time with mm -hmm. one another. Ah, yeah, I'd pay to see that. Yeah. Anyways, back next, to the song we're verse. talking about. <laughs> People done gone crazy. People done gone mad. People done forgot the superpowers we all have. We were born to love, not hate. We can decide our fate and look for the good in everyone and celebrate all our mistakes. If there's a silver lining, silver lining, you still have to find it. Find it, find it. We gotta harmonize. Sure. It. Let's let's Ready? go. Do you wanna do you wanna do main do or the, backing? I'll do the backing. I can't do the main. I'm sorry. All right. Silver, Silver lining. I got it wrong. I, I don't remember. I, I appreciate. Well, that's it. all right. So you want me to go? I was gonna say I can go lower if you want. You know, my dad's a singer. I I should have he? those. He oh. does. Yeah, yeah. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. I got none of his musical talent. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, none at all? No, I got his hair, though, so I got a pretty W. Uh, yo, your hair is fucking glorious. There's another one. Your oh. hair is glorious, so I would take the hair over the musical talent. Thank you. For sure. I appreciate it. But yeah, this is just like another another verse about being very positive. I feel like of all the Jason Mraz songs I've heard, 
this one lyrically feels the most one note. There's not a lot of complexity within the words necessarily. It's all just, let's be positive, let's be nicer to each other. And I feel like this was kind of like, because this album came out in like 2020, April 2020, so a lot of people were putting out music to like subversively talk about Donald Trump and like how they didn't didn't like him and they had problems with the administration. And, and so I feel like this is Jason's version of that in like... You could just say it. You could just say you don't like the guy. He's a bad man. He's doing bad shit. He's causing a lot of problems. Uh, but we already talked about the white supremacy stuff earlier. So, yeah, yeah, I was about to say. I mean, dude, we're <laughs> gonna be here for fucking five hours if we're gonna pick that apart. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be your first podcast that has bleeps in it. You know, we did we did try out bleeps for another episode that hasn't come out yet, but we decided against yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm trying here, but uh, yeah. I mean the the verse the verse is okay. Mm-hmm. You're very correct in it being one tone. It's this it's saying the same thing over and over again just in in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. It'd be like saying to somebody, oh, "I love you. I adore you." It's, it's you're saying essentially the same thing just in a in a different way. Mm-hmm. I mean, put together yeah. as a whole, it's fine. It's not it's not offensive mm-hmm. to my ears in any way other other than it just yeah and I feel like Jason's done songs where he's pretty much said the same thing more than one time in a row a few times yeah. but like the way he does it in those other songs is like there's more complexity to it there's more like meaning within like the internal like not versioning but like the internal structure of the song and like how those different like ways of saying the same thing are overlaid or how they're rearranged or ordered. I feel like those have more meaning, and in this case, there's not so much of that here. No, yeah, no, I don't. I don't have anything to add to that. I just, I mm-hmm. agree <laughs> wholeheartedly. It's just, it's very, it's mm-hmm. very bland. And then we get hit with another of the the first verse. Look for the good in everything. Look for the people who set your soul free. It always seems impossible until it's done. Look for the good in everyone. And then we hit. Everyone needs sunshine. Everyone needs rain. Everyone is carrying around some kind of pain. I see who you are. You're just like me. I see you're searching for a purpose, guided by a dream. So one of the things about this album is that Jason Mraz, the last track on it is called Gratitude. And the first part of that track is him saying, thank you to the guys who kicked my ass. And I feel, because the the purpose of this album was apparently to be like i need to find forgiveness for these people or i need to give gratitude to these people who were cruel to me who were mean to me and like this is part of that like he's looking upon those people who were cruel to him and seeing that they also have pain that he sees them how they're searching for a purpose how they seem like kind of doing their own thing but they're like struggling with their own things and that's why they cause the suffering for him uh, and that was actually a big part of our conversation on the lost episode. Yeah, this is this is probably my favorite mm-hmm. line of the song, honestly. Uh, not so much the everyone needs yeah. sunshine, everyone needs rain, because that's uh, you could have come up with something a little more mm-hmm. original as a yeah. comparison there. Uh, but the, it's it's about taking the good and the bad, and not and and recognizing the fact that if someone's bad to you. They're fighting their own battles that you don't know about. So it's the whole per- it's the whole premise of walk a mile in someone else's shoes, but said in a different way, essentially. So he's he's saying, "I understand you. I forgive you. I see you, and your your struggle in my eyes is valid." And it's looking at the song as a whole, knowing that the last track is "Thank you to the guys who kicked my ass." brings a whole different level to this song, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It makes it seem less 
vanilla and a little more reflective on all of the things that made him who he is and put mm-hmm. him where he's at, the good and the bad. Obviously, if you you know you guys are bullying you all the time and you get your ass kicked, you walk around with a chip on your shoulder mm-hmm. like you got something to prove. And for some people, it, it gives them it gives them a bit of that drive, you know. So if you look at it like that, looking at it from a reflective perspective versus just hey, be positive, it's nice, you'll feel good. The lyrics do mean a little more versus just like hey, just be happy, mm-hmm. bro. It's fine, you know, chill. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine like getting two Grammys and becoming successful was that gratitude to come out a little bit differently, though. He's a, he's a successful guy. He's got an avocado farm. Yeah, true, true. He has a cattle farm? An avocado farm. Oh, avocado farm. Very Jason Rast have an avocado farm. Yeah, I was going to say, he doesn't strike me as the type of dude who'd have a cattle farm, but avocado farm. Yeah, no, I can see that. I can see him having a sure. pet cow for sure, but not like a cattle farm. Yeah, no, that, that's what I like. He doesn't seem like the type who'd want to. Yeah, you know. You know kill animals you have to do the slaughter part you can't just do all the happy cows make happy cheese that's not real that's fake the cows are all suffering that's true i see who you are i'm just like you i get lost sometimes and forget what i came here to do and i keep on trying keep on trying when it gets frightening which is once again just kind of extension that last verse as well but like hey i see myself in you as well i see that you're like me but i also see myself as you and I, I know that we are both suffering in, in interesting in different ways, which is, a, we talked about this last time as well. I need to stop saying that. Um, this, this album came out April 2020. So people were in a whole different state of suffering at the time. People were in a suffering that they weren't used to. Uh, and then hearing someone be like, hey, I'm suffering just like you is interesting because we talked. Yeah, we, we definitely discussed it because I had the, uh, I don't remember the exact, I wish I remembered it, mm-hmm. but yeah. It seemed disingenuous from a guy in his position, mm-hmm. I think is what we, we the conclusion we come to. Yeah, because it had come around the same time as all the celebrities singing Imagine to all the people living in their homes, which was a wild little thing that happened that I would like I looked, to forget. I, I looked that up, Did by you? the way. Oh, how out of touch can you be? Yeah. <laughs> it was incredible. I was like, wow, yeah, just, you know. And this this feels like that in a way, but then you're also like, well, he did come from a working, I don't know if it's a working class background necessarily, but he came from Mechanicsville, Virginia, which as I know is like kind of closer to rural Virginia. And it's outside of Richmond, but it's not. When you go outside of any of the major cities in Virginia, you're pretty much in rural Virginia. It, that's how much it normally works. And it's it's a whole thing to just be like, well, <laughs> without context, this line seems worse. But you need to be you need to be running a Jason Raz podcast to be able to look at this line and be like, okay, this is fine. This is good. This is all right. Yeah. In the scope of the song, it kind of if you're not breaking it down like this, it's just th- this whole song is kind of just a bleh, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a filler. The whole song seems like filler to me. Oh yeah. So if I wasn't sitting here and looking at the lyrics, I, I, I wouldn't catch his like, hey, wait a minute. Why is this guy with his two Grammys and his avocado farm and his half handsome face and beautiful, sultry voice telling me, yeah, telling me that he's just like me. It's like, you don't have to go to work every day. You don't work, a, you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he does go to work every day because he wouldn't have two Grammys if he didn't. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, I, I could see both sides of the coin there. Mm-hmm. But I can also see how that would 
definitely come across as super disingenuous, especially at the time that this came out when everybody's, well, not yeah. most people are trapped in their homes and can't leave because there's crazy stuff going on in the world. And other people are forced to go out and work in dangerous conditions because the government decided they have to. Yeah. we Dude, I had a little like re-entry card and everything. Mm -hmm. It was all official. Yeah. Like, oh, in case, you know, there's a mandatory lockdown and the cops pull you over. I'm like, well, okay. Remember, you're essential. Yeah, I'm essential. Yep. But I, one of the reasons for this podcast is to also like look at these like pop songs they're pop songs and be able to like look at them in a more critical sense to be like what's what's going on here what are we doing how are we getting to the final product of this pop song in the sense of like this is what the lyrics mean there's like there's meaning mm -hmm. behind them there these things aren't just like you listen to this on the radio you don't pay that much attention to the lyrics you're a driving and you're just kind of grooving along to those reggae beats um and I feel like if you pause to reflect on the exact nature of the lyrics, you'd, you'd come off confused. You would be like, why is this happening? Yeah, a little bit. And I, I honestly, I think if this probably didn't come out in April 2020 mm -hmm. and everybody wasn't so aware of how much people were suffering mm -hmm. and things like that, this line would just be another line. The stark differences between class. Yeah, definitely. You know, difference between class, people not being able to get the mental health help they need, mm -hmm. people being stuck in abusive relationships, people having to go to work, not being able to work and pay their bills. Mm -hmm. I think if it was maybe even a year prior, yes. it would have been like, oh, okay, you know, it's just another line in a song. It really feels like we were all sitting in a dark room and Jason Rass turned on the brightest flashlight he owns. Like, look at all this positivity <laughs> I've got here. Have you been drinking tonight, sir? <laughs> if not, you should drink in some of this positivity. <laughs> just open your mouth. I'll point the flashlight directly in. <laughs> yeah. So then we get another verse, which is just the little chorus verse again. Look for the good in everything. Look for the people who will set your soul free. It always seems impossible until it's done. Look for the good. Look for the good. Look for the good in everyone. And then we hit a piano break, which the piano break is, is pretty solid. It's, it's not super it's long. the damn fine piano break. I, the piano break gave me a little bit more confidence in the rest of this album, listening to it. I was like, listen to the first track. This is going to sound like it's going to be bad. Based off the first six verses we just hit, uh, and then this piano break hits, I'm like, okay, maybe maybe something's gonna happen. Maybe something good's gonna come out of this this whole album. And it was kind of like that shot in the arm you needed. Can we say that still? Maybe just you gotta say that, it's a vaccine. Okay. You gotta say it's a vaccine. Um, okay. Well, I didn't know. I was like, I, people are real touchy about the people are touchy about weird shit, mm -hmm. like stuff that doesn't matter. Anyways, yeah, it was like the shot in the arm you needed to like. Phew, all right, that piano break. That got me there. Yeah. All right, cool. So now let's get into it. And then immediately we're knocked right off that pedestal. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, one particular line, everyone is nature. Everyone is God. Everyone is love and light and vibration. A, I love how he hits vibration there. It's fun. Mm -hmm. B, this line sucks. This is awful. I hate this. Which, you know, unless Jason Mraz yeah. is coming from the more humanist perspective, I don't think that's necessarily what well, he probably is in his own Jason Mrazian way. But I don't think he's going like, we can overcome all of our systemic inequalities by just examining that we are all the same in some way. I think this is just him being like reggae positivity. Uh, let me put my positivity to the max and reflect upon it like this. Look, if you don't push to get Mrazian in the dictionary, mm -hmm. you have to get that in there. Uh, that should be your life goal now. Thank you. I'll be like the kid from Friendle. Marazian. Yeah. Yeah, you can't really just say everyone is God and not expound upon that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it's a wild sentence. It is. I mean, it's not, speaking of imagine, it's not as if, you know, when Imagine came out, I think it was probably, what, the 60s or 70s? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not a Beatle. I'm not a Beatles or a John Lennon fan. Probably going to get some shit for that, but hey, whatever. I also don't like the Beatles, don't worry. I, look, I can respect what they did for music, but it's not my thing. I don't want to hear that somebody is the walrus 
speaking of people who just repeat the same line over <laughs> and over again. I'm coming for you. Him. Yeah, but you know, when Imagine came out and Imagine There Is No God, that was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. you know, how how could you say that? He's a he's a heathen. He's a you know, it, it doesn't carry the same weight yeah. in 2020 as it as it did you know when Lenin would say something like that in the 60s or 70s. But mm-hmm. that's still a very loaded sentence. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of explaining. Uh, how that is and not just saying, yeah, everyone is God, and then just moving on like you didn't just say that would be cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I get it. Everyone is nature. Everyone is God. We're all our own gods. We're all connected through nature, and we're all part of the same big living, breathing organism known as the human race. But you didn't say any of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just said, everyone's God, bro. It's fine, you know? Yeah, it's it's a little funky, for sure. Yeah. It, I mean, it works. It's fine. I guess it's just it's it's a very weird thing to say in a song that otherwise is so vanilla and takes no chances. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. Like I said, if we weren't sitting picking apart the lyrics, you wouldn't even think twice about it. But oh yeah, hundred percent for sure. I mean, that piano player is God. Mm-hmm. Played the piano oh, break, fantastic. Yeah. Like, dude. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, he's God. He's the vibrations. Ah, yeah. <sighs> Such a, it just feels very Jason way to approach that question. Just, I don't, I don't know a better way to phrase that. But yeah, and then we get to our look for the good count where he says the word look for the good, I think 16 times. Look for the good, look for the good. Everyone gets mad and sometimes maybe they should, which I'm sure, I don't know if Jason is like getting that intensely political there, but maybe, maybe there's, he leaves open the space. It's once again, it's another, it's another line in a song that you can't, you can't just say that. Mm-hmm. And maybe they should. Well, why should they? Why sh- if you're if you're preaching positivity throughout the majority of this song, mm-hmm. why should people get mad if they can see that other people are just like them? Like looking in a mirror, you see somebody and they're a reflection of yourself. Why should they get mad if you're seeing the fights that people fight and the struggles they do? What would be a cause for getting mad? Mm-hmm. Maybe. It's like it's just such a flippant way of saying, oh, you know, there are things in the world that are unjust, but you know, it's very non-committal. You can't stick them to it. It's just a thing. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't like that. I just like you don't have to take a powerful stance. You don't have to be fucking anti-flag out here, mm-hmm. you know, saying drop pucks, not bombs, at their Pittsburgh hockey team t, you know, mm-hmm. on their hockey team t-shirts and going out of their way to be as intensely left as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. You don't have to take that hard of a stance. No one expects you to do some rest. Just take a little stance. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to take a stance one way or another. It doesn't even have to be political. Maybe you're mad because you your neighbor didn't pick up their dog poop outside. Mm-hmm. You know, like, just give me give me something. Give me some meat on that bone. Instead of just, yeah, maybe they should. Like, it's so... F- it's so flippant, and it goes back to the line of, I'm just like you. It's like, no, you're not. You're not, Jason. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's very noncommittal. And it that line in particular, maybe they should, really rubs me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. It's like if you took reggae and removed any of the politics, and it, you just have the absence of space there, and you have to keep yeah. looking at the fact that there's nothing there. Apparent that there's nothing there. 
there's a void where you've left it. You didn't fill it in with positivity. You've just focused entirely on the positivity. Yeah, you can't have one without the other. Mm -hmm. You cannot have positivity without negativity. You can't have good without evil. They're, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. And saying maybe they should be mad, which in theory would be negativity, you're completely dismissing the opposite side of the coin of why people might want to be negative. And I get it, man. You're, you're trying to be, this is your I'm letting everything go record. This is your, I appreciate the things people have done to me in the past, good, bad, indifferent, whatever, and I'm making peace with it. But you're not afraid to say thank you to the guys who kicked my ass at the beginning of the last song. So why are you holding back here? Mm -hmm. Why are you afraid of something here? Is it because it's your radio song or is it because you just, you, you don't want to be, it's, it's an everybody song, you know, it's, uh, oh, anybody can relate to this when in reality nobody can relate to this because it doesn't there's nothing to be related there's nothing to, to relate to yeah, yeah you're you're relating to a blank piece of paper mm -hmm. at this point yes. yeah it's like eh. yeah we get hit with yeah look out for all the heroes in your neighborhood look for the good look for the good life was sure would be sweeter if everybody would look for the good and everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good look for the good look for the good in everyone and that's, that's the song. Yeah. The last. And so mm -hmm. good. taking it in a vacuum, looking at just that line mm -hmm. doesn't mean a ton. Yeah. The way I took that line is if instead of focusing on a grand scope, this song feels very impersonally personal, yeah. if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like you should take it from a standpoint of a personal song versus looking at the grand scheme of things. So when the look for your heroes in your neighborhood, I'm what I took that line as is talk to your next door neighbor and realize that you have a lot in common and you're both just people. But if everybody were to do that and just stop worrying about everything as a whole and talk to your next door neighbor, you'd find out maybe the world isn't such a bad place mm -hmm. because then it would spread exponentially. You know, one becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes so on and so forth. Yeah. That kind of thing. Which is great, in theory. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you're also ignoring the fact that there is horrible atrocities being committed in the world. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's <laughs> it's 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 really cool to look out for your neighbors and talk to the people close to you and get to know everybody and have this communal sense of family mm -hmm. in your neighborhood, in your city, and that's cool. I'm all for it. That line is fine. But once again, you're you're ignoring these. <laughs> glaring <Yes>. issues <laughs> by being by being so dismissive of every problem like yeah dude mm -hmm. you got problems you know that that's fine you were born into poverty and you're never going to get out oh okay man just look for the good though you know like if you're born into poverty and you you know you live in the projects you only have to have one tv in your house like that's such a that would be like me going up to a homeless guy giving him a dollar and saying hey man I know you're homeless, but now you got a dollar. Wow. Your problems are solved because mm -hmm. you just got to look for the good in that dollar. Like, no, that's not how it works. I understand the power of positivity, but you're, you're so far off the mark. <laughs> yeah. I, this is why he's telling people to only look in your neighborhood, because if you start looking outside of your neighborhood and you start to see people who have like more systemic differences from you, because, you know, you got put in the neighborhood for a reason. You're there. That's, you didn't come there mm -hmm. independently. You're not just all independent people there. Social systems put you there. 
You look outside the scope of the borders of your own nation. Things get worse. Things get significantly worse. Uh, and I never would expect Jason Mraz to reflect on anything like that, but I also would never expect Jason Mraz to do reggae, which is an intensely political style of music, which right. necessitates some level of like political engagement that I don't think Jason would do. Yeah, and and once again, this isn't us saying you know. I can. I guess I can only speak for myself, but I'm guessing you you're in the exact same boat. It's not us saying, "Hey, you need to." We expect better of you. You need to take a stand against the things we yes. disagree with. No, that's not that's not what I'm saying mm-hmm. at all. I'm saying from a standpoint of a song, there is absolutely nothing to bite onto here. Yes, it is the most bland, vanilla, just missionary position of a song. Mm-hmm. It's just just be positive, just be happy with. It's almost like it's almost like the theme song for complacency. Uh, yes, hundred percent. Like just be happy with what you have. It's fine. It's all good. But then there's also lines in there that, you know, everyone is carrying around some kind of pain. Like, that's a powerful line. Mm-hmm. That's something that people should recognize. And that's why it's my favorite verse of the, you know, my favorite verse of the song. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's definitely, that's one takeaway you could have from an entire song is that, you know, you should try to put yourself in the other person's shoes. If someone's mean to you, maybe they're just having a bad day. It doesn't excuse their shitty behavior, mm-hmm. but it makes it a little more, an easier pill to swallow. But then you go on to just say all of your problems could basically be solved if you were just, you know, look look to the good in everyone. Look for the good. Look for the good in everyone. Yeah. It's removing the political aspects of this kind of form of art. Once again, I'm not a reggae expert. I'm not a particular expert in music either. I'm not a particular expert when it comes to political discussions, when it comes to art either. But it feels like a bridge complacency, just like you're saying. Yeah, definitely it does. And, you know, not all music has to be political. Mm-hmm. There's there's plenty of music I, I like that it that is not. It doesn't have an ounce of politics in it, but it's talking about other things. Things that are either relatable to you as a person or things that you enjoy. Like there's a band shit, I don't know if I can talk about them. They're they're a little sus. Never mind. Okay. I won't talk about them. But there there there's a there's a group who put out an entire record of songs about wrestling. Mm-hmm. And they're a punk group. And it's like, that's not political at all, but I like wrestling. So I can latch on to that. You know, it's something I can get behind. This is, I mean, positivity is cool, but you can't sell me on an entire record of just vanilla positivity and being complacent and not wanting to better my place in life or better other people's places in life. It's too wide open mm-hmm. of a, uh, it's, yeah, it's way too. There's not enough there, mm-hmm. I, th- I think is what I'm trying to say. And I, I'd probably make the case that I feel like most things, I, I don't think any can ever be truly removed from politics in the way that politics functions in our society uh, no. at this point. But that's like, once again, that'll be another three-hour conversation that we'd have to get into. Yeah. I mean, you know, yes. <laughs> we can we can really pick this apart and get down to it, but that's honestly, he didn't put that much effort in writing the song, so why should we put that much effort into picking it apart? Exactly. It's one of those things where it's the effort, you're going to receive the amount of effort you put into it. Mm-hmm. So, Two Heel. Yes. Will you be listening to Jason Mraz in the future? Uh, No, <laughs> probably not. I still haven't checked out Mr. A to Z, which mm-hmm. was the, the record that you recommended. Oh, yeah. It's very much the other side of Mraz. Yeah. Traditional Mraz. Yeah. And, you know, on back just back to this song real quick, mm-hmm. I... There's a reason it's not in none of the songs on that record or in his top five on Spotify. Yeah. Because it's very, he didn't take any chances with it. Yeah. And his audience is not suited to be this kind of people who would listen to something that would take those chances either, I think. Right. The single version of Look for the Good has 31 million plays on Spotify. Oh, wow. FYI. Interesting. Yeah. 
I was, I was number seven. That's wild. Uh, no, I, I probably will not be listening to a whole lot of Jason Mraz in the future. I'm going to check out the other record that Mm -hmm. you suggested to see if that's my jam, but I don't think it will be Uh, world's cutest gamer. Are you going to be listening to any more Jason Mraz in the future? I absolutely am. I've got so many more episodes of this podcast to record. Um, (laughs) it's, it's going to be a whole thing. But yeah, you know, I, he, he fills a very niche void in my, this is easily listening. It's kind of silly at times, he, but he can be fat with the rhymes. That's a lyric of his. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like it still feels that niche. I probably won't listen to this record that much because it's just, it's just weird, but you know, uh, that's, that's kind of how I'm feeling off of this, you know? Yeah. He's got to be doing something right. He's number 340 in the world right now mm-hmm. on Spotify. Wow. So, and, you know, I mean, I get it. Easy listening music. It's, it's, it's the kind of music you put on when you want to just chill and drop out for a little bit. And I can appreciate that. You know, honestly, what it boils down to is what you want out of music. Mm-hmm. If you want music that you can just kick back, turn your brain off, not really think about, then perfect. This is, this is what you want. Or you want some witty lyricism and you want that kind of thing. Great. Jason Mraz is probably for you. Mm-hmm. If you want something, if you want music that's going to make you uncomfortable and make you think and make you question everything around you and have these undertones that you can explore, maybe don't listen to Jason Mraz unless you want to just kind of hang out. Yeah. I think it's, that's the main takeaway here. It's, it's chocolate and vanilla, man. Mm-hmm. You keep that, you keep that vanilla away from me and I'll take my chocolate. Yeah. It doesn't, I'm you sure. know. And speaking of, what music have you been listening to recently to heal? Oh, man. So I recently got Motorhead's No Sleep Till Hammersmith mm-hmm. on vinyl, which is the most powerful record. I, I challenge anybody to find a record that hits harder than that one. Mm-hmm. Probably not going to find one. I, it's amazing how three dudes can make that much noise oh. <laughs> and, play, and play that fast. It's, in, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. I don't know if my neighbors like it or not, but they've been having to listen to it for the last week. I've also been listening to the dwarves come clean which if you don't like punk rock and if you don't like lyrics that may or may not be considered distasteful Mm -hmm. stay far away from that one and a band out of portland called toxic holocaust which is a thrash metal group Mm -hmm. and um i've been really digging on bon scott era acdc lately oh they were one of those bands that i listened to a bit as a kid but i only ever had the the second singer and so I kind of dismissed them, but I've been going through and listening to their first four or five records with their original lead singer, and man, they're a completely different band. Wow, they seemed very, they seemed dangerous. Oh, and I like that. I like that. Okay. You know, that like their lyrics, they have a lot more punch to them with Bon Scott in the group. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, listening to some rap, I've been uh, been listening to YG lately. Mm-hmm. He's a newer rapper. A guy at the store was telling me that. His, uh, his new song, Scared Money, goes hard. And I'm like, all right, I'll check it out for sure. And yeah. it does, in fact, go very hard. Oh. It's great. That's good to know. And DMX. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. I think that's what's been in my AFI, of course, but they're always in my rotation. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like Motorhead, where it's just it just depends on the record. But AFI, Black Sails in the Sunset, has been, has been the one of choice recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? What have you been listening to? So I, I've been going through the process of buying random albums off Bandcamp still. Uh, and the album I've still been listening to is Ghost Funk Orchestra's Song for Paul. It's got a great song at the start, Walk Like a Motherfucker. Just comparing it to this this song's, well, it has like a minute 40 intro. 
which kind of mm-hmm. sets you like, it seems a little cinematic in a way. It seems a little chill, seems a little vibe, seems a little funk, seems a little intense. It, it goes, and then Walk Like a Motherfucker hits, and it's like, okay, this seems so interesting. It seems so exciting, because I was trying to imagine myself in a place when I'm listening to a song and just kind of reflecting upon how the song makes me feel and how that place kind of generates around my mind and just like seeing where that song takes me. Sometimes it's just like driving down a long desert road. Other times you're just like walking into a place with the most energy and confidence you can. But it's it's a wild song for sure. Yeah. If you want to drop out and listen to uh, what it would be like to go down a re- desert road, man, listen to the Truck Fighters. Mm-hmm. They have a, a live video on YouTube of their track Desert Cruiser. Yeah. And it is a very energetic live performance, and it's super droney and fuzzy, and it's great. Okay, all right. It's it's fan it's fantastic. If if stoner rock is your thing, I'll have to check it out for sure. Give it a try. But thank you so much, Two Hill, for being here. I really appreciate it. Where can people check you out? Probably in the chat of the world's cutest gamers Twitch stream at uh, Twitch.tv/slash the world's cutest gamer. You can find me lurking, falling asleep because you live on the opposite coast of me at Twitch.tv/slash Two Hill. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Uh, Bye, y'all.